Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. If you have your Bibles, please let's open to the book of Zacharias chapter 9. Zacharias chapter 9. Zacharias chapter 9, we're reading from verse number 9. Zacharias chapter 9, we're reading just one verse of the scripture there, and that is verse number 9. The Bible says, Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout, O daughters of Jerusalem. Behold, the king cometh upon thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And that is Zacharias chapter 9, reading from verse number 9. Over 2,000 years ago, today, on the, on the first Palm Sunday, this prophecy was fulfilled. In the verse of the scripture we read in the book of John chapter 12, we were told that Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem and he entered upon, a, you know, riding upon a donkey. And this same prophecy was what we just read in the book of Zechariah chapter 9. Jesus, the, the, the prophet Zechariah was telling the inhabitants of Jerusalem that they should rejoice because their king has, is coming in and is riding upon an ass, upon the, upon the colt, the fall of an ass. In other words, he's coming as fulfilled, you know, as, as prophesied by the word of the almighty God. It was on this day, 2,000 years ago, that Jesus Christ entered Jerusalem triumphantly. And we in the Christian faith will refer to this day as the Palm Sunday. The day in which people came rejoicing, putting down their clothes and putting down palms for Jesus Christ to walk into Jerusalem triumphantly. And as Jesus entered Jerusalem, the crowd greeted him by waving palms and palm branches and covering his path with their palm, uh, covering his path with palm branches. And we see the account in all four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that same account in there. But the one that we are going to be looking at this very morning is the one that is found in the book of John, chapter 12. In the book of John, chapter 12. Reading from verse number 12, reading from verse number 12 through to verse number 19. The Bible says, And on the next day, which much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was come to Jerusalem, took branches of palm, of palm trees, and went forth to meet him. And cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found the young has sat upon it, as it is written, Fear not, daughters of Zion, behold, the king cometh sitting on an ass's coat. These things understood not his disciples at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then remember they that these things were written of him, and that they had gone and they had done all these things unto him. Verse number 17, the people therefore was with him, the, the people therefore that was with him when he was when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for they heard that he had done this miracle. Verse number 19, the Pharisees therefore said amongst themselves, Perceive ye how ye have prevailed nothing. Behold, the whole world is gone after him. 
If you look at the life and the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, you will see a lot of things happened in it. Jesus Christ performed a lot of miracles. Jesus Christ was confronted by the Jewish leaders. Jesus Christ, you know, when we see Jesus coming, we see people coming and going to the Lord Jesus Christ because of the things that they encountered anytime they come near to him. We have seen the different aspect of Christ's ministry in the gospel. In the verse of the scripture we are looking at today, we are seeing the turning point in the ministry, in the public ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Until now, he had preached openly. Until that particular time when he entered Jerusalem and he was greeted with the palms. Until that particular time, he has performed many miracles. He has rebuked the Jewish leaders. By now, you know, and now he's about to, he's going, you know, he was about to preach his last public, you know, public message. He's about to do his last public ministry. He's about to celebrate his, you know, the, 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 the Passover with his disciples. And at this point, he has reached the height of his public ministry. By the time he walked into Jerusalem that day, he had reached the height of his public ministry. He has reached the height of his popularity. He has reached the height, you know, he has reached the point where the Pharisees were so pissed with Jesus Christ that they are now waiting for every opportunity to just nail this guy. That's, you know, that is the point that Jesus Christ was at that, at, you know, at, uh, at the time when he was entering Jerusalem. As for Jesus, you know, you know, and at that point in time, the Pharisees were now concerned that the whole Jerusalem was going to go after the Lord Jesus Christ. That everybody was going to go after them and that they were going to lose their position in the synagogue. That was their main concern. Okay. And as for Jesus, he did not allow the accolades and the ovation and all the clapping and all the, and all the, all the, the, the cheering of the crowd. He did not allow that to cloud his judgment. And for a person who has reached the height of ministry, who has reached the height of popularity, who has reached the height of public adoration, who has reached the height of public ovation, you will expect that Jesus will soften his message at that point in time. You will expect that at that point in time, Jesus Christ will begin to do the things that will make the Pharisees a little bit more happier with him. After all, he has built a ministry that everybody now recognizes. He has built a ministry that is now a national ministry. At that point in time, you will expect that at that point, he will soften things up for them. He will say, okay, now that I'm very popular, I don't have to worry. I should be able to win these people with some, win some, uh, with some nice words. But Jesus Christ never did that. You will expect that he will ride the waves of his popularity. But no, Jesus Christ used the occasion to preach one of the central message of the gospel. If you look at John chapter 12 again, reading from verse number 24. Jesus Christ said something there in verse number 24. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat falls into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. And I tell you, this was the cross. This was the thing that really made the, that made the Pharisees very, very angry with this man. Because they are saying, you know, because he went on to say that he's going to tear down this temple and he's going to build it in three days. And that was all they needed to be able to use as an accusation against him. So you will expect that somebody who has reached a height of ovation, uh, the height of popularity, that person shouldn't cause any more stairs. He shouldn't cause any more trouble. He shouldn't cause any more things that will cause people to be against him. But Jesus was not like that. The question that comes to mind is this. Why was the whole of Jerusalem coming to Jesus Christ at that time when he, was, when he entered into Jerusalem? Why were they coming? Why did they put their palm, why were they putting palm on the, tree, uh, on the road? Why were they doing all the things that they were doing? Apart from the fact that it's a fulfillment of prophecy. Why were they doing all those things? Why were people seeking after him? Why were they singing his praises? Why were they showering him with adoration? Why were all of a sudden he became very, very popular? If you see the reason, you look at verse number 12. The Bible told us in verse number 12, you know, in that John chapter 12 that we read, the passage of the scripture we just read was saying that Jesus came 
a lot of people came to meet him. The question is why? Why did people come to turn out to see the Lord Jesus Christ? There are several reasons. The first reason is that when people, you know, people have encountered the Lord Jesus Christ in the past. They've enjoyed the things that Jesus can do for them. Now they heard. The Bible tells us in verse number 12. It said, next day, they heard that Jesus was coming to town. Many of them came to Lord Jesus Christ just because they had the fact that he was there. He was coming and they, they wanted to show up. It's just like when you see a very big minister, very popular minister, if he's coming to town, regardless of what he's coming to do, a lot of people show up. The same thing happened here. Many people showed up because they heard Jesus was coming to town. Number two, why did they come? They came because they thought it was a big party. You remember the last time Jesus Christ was close to Jerusalem? The Bible told us that he fed 5,000 people with five loaves of fish and two, uh, with five loaves of bread and two fishes. They thought that, yes, this is another good, this is going to be another block party. And they showed up. Why did they show up? They showed up because they thought that they were going to see, they, they saw his glorious entrance. I mean, you see somebody riding on a donkey, riding on a, a, a donkey, and everybody lying down uh, the palm tree before him. They didn't know what was going on. They just said, okay, there's a spectacular sight. What is going on? Let us join the, let us join the party. So they came because they saw a glorious sight. Number four, they came because they wanted to be a part of history. This was the fulfillment of prophecy. This was a fulfillment of the things that has been written by Zechariah. They wanted to be a part of it. Not only that, they came because some of them were just simply confused. The Bible says that this was a time of a feast in Jerusalem. There were people coming from all over the, all over the world. They were coming to Jerusalem at that time to worship. And they saw somebody, they saw this rabbi riding on a donkey and everybody was coming. They said, okay, what is going on there? I don't know whether you've ever noticed when you are driving on the freeway and something happens and one or two people are just you're, you know, you're popping out their neck and they're trying to find out what's going on. A lot of people just keep looking. They don't know what's going on. They are confused. And that is what in most cases creates hold up or creates a traffic on the freeway because you just see people trying to see what is going on. And this is the same thing that is happening here. A lot of people came because they were simply confused as to what is going on. A lot of people came because they remembered the miracles that they've enjoyed in the past. They remember the miracles. They remember the food that he has given to them. Many of them saw that many of them were healed before. Many of them have been delivered. Many of them have their loved ones, you know, taken care of. And because of that, they wanted to see if Jesus was going to repeat what he had done in the past. So they came. Many of them also came expecting something from him. They came because they were expecting something from him. Maybe he will turn water into wine. Maybe he will multiply the bread again. Maybe he will heal the sick again. Maybe he would do something for them, you know. So people did all sorts of, people show, you know, people showed up expecting something from the Almighty God. And some came because they were so angry with the Lord Jesus Christ that they just wanted to find a way to shut him down. And the category of people that came like that were the Pharisees. They showed up with the rest of the people because they felt, hey, this guy is becoming too popular. We have to do something about him. Those were the another group of people that showed up. So elsewhere of people showed up. That for whatever, for whatever reason that people showed up, one thing you will notice, the, 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 the same thing you will notice is that it's the same thing that is going on in the church today. All sorts of people show up in church. People show up in church because they don't know what to do on a Sunday morning. Some people show up in church and blood because they felt that, well, this is, this is what my parents taught me to do, so I show up on Sunday morning. Some people just show up because, well, well, let's just go to church. Some people just show up because they like the face of the pastor. Some people show up for one reason or the other. People show up for different reasons. Some people just show up because their parents forced them to be there. Some people show up because they felt that, well, when they come to church, when I need help, the church, will, the church will come to my rescue. People show up to church for all sorts of reasons, hoping to see Jesus tickle their fancy. But the question question I want to ask you this morning is this. Why have you showed up in church today? Why are we seeking the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Why do we want to have that relationship with him? Why are we calling upon his name in prayer? Why are we seeking his face? Why are we doing what the people have been doing in the past? Why are we in church? Because the reason why you are in church will determine what you are going to get out of the church. Okay? If we come to church because we feel that we just need to be there, you might not get anything. But if we come so that we can have an encounter with the Almighty God, it changes the whole equation. You will notice one thing that all these people that showed up to follow Jesus Christ on Palm Sunday, you will notice two things in their lives. Two things. The first thing is that none of them showed up because they wanted to know who this Jesus was. None of them showed up for that. They showed up because of what they would get or what was going on or what they wanted to become part of something. But they never showed up. They did not show up because they wanted to be a part of, you know, they wanted to know who this Jesus Christ is. None of them came because they wanted to know him. None of them came because they, because they wanted to be with him. None of them came because they wanted their lives to be transformed. They just wanted to get a piece of the action. They just wanted to have something to do with the Lord Jesus. They just wanted Jesus Christ to do something for them. They didn't, want, they didn't come because they wanted their lives to be transformed. No, they came for different reasons. And I'm asking you the same question. What, what is your reason for seeking Christ? What is your reason for seeking Christ? What is my reason for seeking Christ? What is our reason as a church for gathering together to seek Christ? What is our reason? Because if our reasons are not properly aligned, you will find out that as much as we try to seek the Lord, we might not get the desired results. That is the first thing you will notice among these people. The second thing you will notice among these people is that you read John chapter 12. The Bible says that in that John chapter 12, these people were seeing, when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, these people were shouting, Hosanna to the King of Kings, Hosanna to the King of Kings. And the interesting thing is that if you move just six chapters forward, in chapter 18 and 19, this same set of people were the ones that said, crucify him, crucify him. The question now is this. What happened between chapter 12 and chapter, seven, chapter 18 and 19? What happened? How can you make a transition from Hosanna to the King of Kings to crucify him and crucify him? How can you make that kind of transition? All within the space of one weekend. Okay? Why all the, why the sudden change from chapter 12 to chapter 18? What happened? How do you go from Hosanna to crucify him? How do you go from doing that? My brothers and sisters, let me suggest some reasons how a man can go from Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Let me suggest some reasons for you. Number one, you go from Hosanna to crucify him if Jesus fails to meet your perceived expectations. If you think that Jesus is supposed to do X, Y, and Z, and after you have worked with him for a couple of years, and you are not seeing that X, Y, and Z, there is a, there is a possibility that you might go from Hosanna to crucify him. Number two, you go from Hosanna to crucify him if Jesus refused to conform to your own image. That's when you go from crucify him, from Hosanna to crucify him. Number three, you go from Hosanna to crucify him if Jesus will not allow you, allow you to define his mission on earth or to define his ministry. The Bible tells in the book of John, in the book of Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. He said, and you shall give back to a son and his name shall be called Jesus. Why would you call him Jesus? Because he will deliver his people from their sin. That is the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. His intention is to reconcile man back to God. If Jesus, if Jesus does not allow you to change his mission, 
of reconciling men back to God into another kind of mission. When Jesus fails to allow you to change his mission, you will begin to turn from Hosanna to crucify him. Number four. You turn from Hosanna to crucify him if Jesus refused to allow you to manipulate him. There are people who come to church basically to manipulate the Lord God Almighty. There are people who believe that they are, they, are, they are so special to God that unless the God makes them happy, they are not going to serve him God anymore. Okay? They believe that, you know, it's very interesting how we so, we so believe that we, we, we are doing God a favor by coming to church. You know, we believe we are doing God a favor by praying. We believe we are doing God a favor by reading the scriptures. We believe God will no longer be gone if I refuse to come to church. And that's always amazing. When we refuse, when, if Jesus refused to be manipulated by us, there is a strong tendency that we will go from Hosanna to crucify him. Number five, you will go from Hosanna to crucify Jesus Christ if Jesus make a hard demand on you. Many of us prefer to live a life of ease. We want to have a Christian faith that does not demand anything from us. A Christian faith that does not take away our sin. A Christian faith that does not challenge us to live a righteous life. A Christian faith that does not challenge us to begin to grow in spirit. A Christian faith that does not allow, that does not challenge us to begin to move from where we are to where we need to be. And when Jesus begins to demand those hard things from us, there is a strong tendency that we might begin to go from Hosanna to crucify him. Jesus is going to ask you to now begin to lay down your life. Jesus is going to ask you to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Jesus is going to ask you to take up your cross and follow him. When Jesus makes that demand of you, those who are not willing to take up that particular demand, there is a strong tendency, a strong possibility that they will go from Hosanna to crucify him. Number six. You go from Hosanna to crucify him if Jesus will not, will not sugarcoat our shortcomings. Jesus is not in the business of condemnation. But Jesus will not tolerate sin anywhere he finds it. Jesus will not overlook the sins, of our, the sins that are in our life. The Bible says that the eyes of the Almighty God is so pure that he cannot behold iniquity. In other words, anywhere sin is found, sin will be judged. If God, if Jesus Christ does not sugarcoat our sin, if Jesus Christ does not gloss over our sin, there is a tendency that we might go from Hosanna to crucify him. And number seven... You go from Hosanna to crucify Jesus Christ if Jesus refuses to sign off on our lifestyle. Mm. There are some lifestyle that G that is opposed to the scripture. There are some lifestyle that Jesus God, that the Lord God Almighty has said in scripture is an abomination. The Lord God Almighty has said, regardless of what the society defines it, regardless of what the society endorses, regardless of what the popular opinion now says is the vulgar, is the right thing that we should be doing, Jesus Christ has said it. The Bible has condemned it. And as long as Jesus will not sign off on our sinful lifestyle, there is a strong possibility that you might go from Hosanna to crucify him. Because God will not tolerate sin. The Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he judged Sodom and Gomorrah for their sins, how are we sure that, why are we so confident that we are going to escape the same thing that brought judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah? 
If the Lord God Almighty brought judgment upon sin in the past, why do we think that we have a special privilege or we have that special access before God that we can misbehave and live a life that doesn't please God and we are just going to get to the same heaven that, they are, you know, that the people were denied? It is not possible. The Bible says that we cannot continue in sin and expect the grace of God to multiply. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So these people, they, you know, the, to most people, uh, the, to most people, Jesus is okay as long as he did miracles. Jesus is okay as long as he feeds the poor. Jesus is okay as long as he opens the eyes of the blind. Jesus is okay as long as he conforms to the request of the people, as long as he conforms to the request of the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees. But as soon as he decides to fulfill his ministry, as soon as he decides to confront sin, as soon as he decides to call out people and call them to holy living and holy right and righteous living, things will turn upside down at that point in time. Crucify him will be the language of the day at that point in time. The church is great as long as we have our way. That's what people do. The church is great as long as no one rocks the boat. The church is great as long the church is fantastic as long as uh, as long as long as no one addresses our besetting sins. The church is always great at that time. But the biggest problem for many is knowing how to come to Christ. With all these baggages, how then do you come to Christ? This is a problem that you do not under, you know, that this is a problem because if you, if you don't understand how to come to Christ, you will not understand why you must come. If you don't understand why you must come, you don't understand how to come. In other words, if you don't see the reason, if you don't know why we need to come to Christ, if you don't know why you as a Christian, why you as, a, why you as an individual need Christ in your life, how then do you know how to come to him? But for those who will come to the Lord Jesus Christ, they must understand how to come to him. And that is what you find in the book of Mark chapter 3. In Mark chapter 3, reading from verse number 13. Mark chapter 3, reading from verse number 13, the Bible says, And he goes up unto a mountain, and called unto him whom he would, that they, that they, that, 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 and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out devils. In other words, Jesus Christ how do you come to him? The Bible says that first of all, Jesus Christ goeth up unto a mountain and call unto him whom he would. In other words, not just anybody can approach the Lord Jesus Christ. Only the people, the Bible says that only those that the Father has called, those are the people that can come unto him. So, he said he goes unto a mountain and call unto him who he would. And they came unto him. And when they came unto him, he ordained twelve, that they should be with him, number one, that he might send them forth, number two, and that they will have power to heal the sick and to cast out devils. Why should a man come to Christ? Why should a man come unto Christ? Why should we come? We come to Christ because, number one, Jesus Christ himself was the one that extended that invitation. Nobody can come unto the Father except him that has been called. That's the book of Romans chapter 8. Nobody can come unto Father except the Spirit of the Almighty God calls you. For those of us who are already born again, who are already saved, you remember before you were saved, the, the gospel message made no sense to you. When they were preaching the word of God, it made no sense. But the day you became born again, the day the Spirit of the Almighty God brought you into the fold, everything changed. The word began to make sense. The message that was, that was, that was meaningless before began to be, started, started making sense to you. The reason is because the Spirit of the Almighty God has arrested you. Now He has opened your understanding. Now you can understand. Nobody comes to God unless He calls you. And how do you come to Him? 
You come to him because he wanted, you know, he wants you to be with him. Number two, you come to him because he, 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 he we come to him because he wants to set, up, set us apart. He wants to set us apart. He said, be ye holy for I am holy. In other words, there is a difference. The Bible says, I will make a difference between those who serve me and those who do not. In other words, there is a separation between the children of the kingdom and the children who are outside of the kingdom. So we come to him because he wants to set us apart. Number three, we come to him because he wants, to be, he wants us to bring others to the fold. It's just like somebody who has found a place where you have, a, where you, you have found a, a, an oasis of blessing. And then you sit down there. What you do is that the Lord is expecting you to bring other people to that particular source of blessing. So that you too, as you benefit from it, others too will benefit. That's why he asks you. That's why Jesus wants you to come to him. Because he wants you, not just for you to enjoy the blessings of coming to him, but to bring others. Number four, he wants you to come so that you can have impact in the life of others. The Bible tells us that he, says he called the twelve to himself. So that number one, they will be with him. And then number two, so that they can go out to preach. In other words, so that they can tell others about the good news. And then number five, so that they can begin to heal the sick and to deliver them from the, from their, from, uh, deliver them from the oppression of the enemy. In other words, when, you, when, the, when, when we who have encountered the Lord Jesus Christ and we have received this power, what he's expecting us to do is uh, to take that power and use that power to turn the life of other people around. Because the Bible says that without signs and wonders, the people will not believe. In other words, when you come into the situation of an individual, or you come into the life of an individual, and because of the light of God that is in you, that light of God is able to transform the life of that individual, they will know that there is a God. And they will know that there is, a, there is a living God. And as soon as they know that there is a living God, what happens? It changes their perspective. They become open to receiving the word of God. That is why Jesus Christ wants us to come to him. So that we can impact the life of others. He, you know, we come to him because he wants us to give us the power to live a victorious life. John chapter 10, reading from verse number 10, the Bible tells us. It tells us that he said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, but to and to destroy. He said, but I have come. That you might do what? By have life and have it abundantly. In other words, he does not just want us to live a life of survival. He wants us to live an overcoming life. And the overcoming life can only come when you are plugged in to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 15, the Bible says that I am the vine and you are the branches. Any branch that does not bear fruit, he says you will cut away. But the one that bears fruit, what happens? He continues to prune it. He continues to make it good so that he can bring up more fruit. So that he can have that abundant life. The idea we are saying here is that we come to him because he wants to give us the power to live a victorious life. It is when we know why we come to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is when we understand the reason for coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is when we will know how to come to him. How then do you come to him? How do we come to the Lord Jesus Christ? We don't come to the Lord Jesus Christ feeling that we are doing him a favor. No. We come to the Lord Jesus Christ knowing that in our own strength we can do nothing. You come to the Lord Jesus Christ knowing, number one, that you are helpless. You cannot save yourself. That's why the Bible says, by the arm of the flesh shall no man prevail. It is by the spirit of the almighty God. So we come, number one, knowing that we are helpless. Number two, we come knowing that we are unworthy. The Bible says that all our righteousness is like the filthy rag before the almighty God. In other words, in your own wisdom, in your own righteousness, in your own purity, it is like a filthy rag before the almighty God. And we come to the almighty God knowing that our own righteousness cannot save us. That's right. Number three, we come knowing that only he can forgive us. Only he can forgive. 
Because if you come thinking that any other thing can forgive you, then you have not come yet. We come knowing that only he can forgive. We come knowing that only he can do all things that that pertains to our life. Because if you think that you can still do it on your own, you will not let go and let God do what he's supposed to do. There is a song that we used to sing, an old spiritual. It said, why worry when you can pray, trust in Jesus and he will lead the way. Don't be like doubting Thomas, trusting on his promise. Why worry, worry when you can pray. You can take that same song and flip it the other way. Why pray when you can worry. You know, you can say the same thing. You can do the same thing. So when you are coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you must know that he has the power to do all things. Because if you don't believe that he has the power to do all things, there are some things you are not going to commit to his hands. But if you believe that he can do all things, what happens is that you will take everything in your life and lay it at his feet. That is when you are not going to take some and begin to worry about them anymore. But you will release it into the hands of the Almighty God and say, Lord, I give everything to you. So we come to him knowing that he can do all things. We come to him forsaking all. You come to him forsaking all. A woman who is about to get married and is still carrying on with three or four boyfriends. Is that woman ready to get married? No. When you are ready to get married as a man or as a woman, you forsake all. And that is part of the vow you take at the altar. When you go, you say, forsaking all others and clinging to this particular one. I do it for better, for worse. The idea is that you forsake all and you are married to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. We invite you to join us for our monthly Fresh Encounter prayer conference every last Saturday of the month from 12 noon until 3 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, We thank you for listening.